Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thanks for joining us today for episode eight of Hunt the World. I'm Brian Maiman, co-founder of Rolling Bones Outdoors. To my left, as always, I'd like to say, the great Brian Martin across from me is the wonderful and vivacious Brad Dana. (laughs) 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 There we go. So anyway, hey, listen, we're going to pick up kind of where we left off in the last episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We sure enjoyed bringing it to you. Sleeping is a big part of these wilderness hunts, and I've been on them where I've had too short a mummy bag, as Brad alluded to, and I've been on them where I've been totally fine, and Brad had the wrong bag. And I have to tell you, having been on both sides of that spectrum, having a bag that's great for me is better than having a bag that's not. And then having watching a buddy that had a bag that was not good for him, but sleeping in one that was really good for me, it was super rewarding. And I didn't feel bad for a minute. So make sure you get the right bag. Listen to what, if you have any questions, seriously, call us. You know, that our members enjoy, honestly, and the opportunity every day to be able to call in here, have a personal concierge. If you've not checked out our membership, go to our web, rollingbones.com. Check us out. Silver, gold, or platinum membership. Our concierge service delivers the same effort for you, okay? Um, so I just wanted to make sure I brought you up to speed on that. We really do appreciate you joining in. If you didn't listen to last week's episode or episode seven, please do. Hunting equipment is what we're going to cover today. I know these guys have a lot of personal opinions on it, and uh, uh, it, it should resonate really well with you. But if you're looking at buying a pack or if you've been on a trip before, the pack was like, oh, I wish I had a different pack. We're going to help you with why you should make some decisions based on information we give you today. So sit back, hang on, listen up, and we're going to give you lots. Brad, Ryan. Let's do it. What do you think about packs? I like the right one, and I don't like the wrong one. I had the wrong one. I, t- I experimented last year. I brought the wrong one, and it was okay, but it, it could have been better. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's almost time to quit trying and just go with what works, huh? Well, it's funny you say that because I was on, uh, two years ago, I went to Russia, and I made a fatal mistake. I, I went with boots I'd never – I had worn them before I left, but I'd never been on a mountain with them. And I left, and I'm a, I'm a Kennetrek fan. Okay, and that's not a solicitation to go buy them. I'm just telling you, and and I don't necessarily like the ones that Brian Martin likes, but I I, I like the ones I like. And uh, I tried a different brand of boot, and they were okay. Got hot spots. Uh, didn't feel as secure under you know on foot as I did on the side of a mountain with my Kennetrex. So that was a mistake. And then to the pack statement that you just made. I took a new pack and oh my gosh, it, it literally, it changed my entire hunt. It took the uh, uh, enjoyment out of it to some degree because I was fighting straps, I was fighting buttons or uh, buckles, I was just fighting everything, getting it fitted for me, and it it, it made a big difference. So right. uh, backpacks are an amazing. 
uh, an amazing part of this process and an essential part of getting fitted right. Well, some of that, like you went on a 21-day hunt trying new stuff. I don't. I like trying new stuff, but I, I went on a 14-day or last year trying new stuff that was the wrong stuff. So it's not – because I figured the pack out during our shooting schools on the, some of those three-day shooting schools, I was like, yeah, this, this isn't going to work for me, the same pack that you took to Russia. And so I bailed on it right away. I've got a brand new pack for sale, though, if anybody wants it. <laughs> and it's actually pretty, it's, it's a nice, it's a good pack. It's just not as good as. But yeah. seven days, 14 days, or 21 days, a week, two weeks, or three weeks, the wrong pack's the wrong pack, day one, and you're going to feel it. And, and so, you know, I think that there's three things for a pack that I specifically need to find. You know, I, I'm 6'4", flat-footed, without shoes on. You know, if you throw a pair of boots on me, um, I'm at six, five, I'm, I'm 230 pounds. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, when I go up the mountain and, and, and I can go down to, you know, it's, but I'm six, five, I'm not your height at five, uh, 10 and weigh 198 like you do, Brad. So it doesn't matter. Uh, but anyway, um, so, you know, short and round, tall and heavy, you know, I don't know. Um, I'd rather be a little husky than chubby. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> You should not introduce this. I didn't All right. say anything. So, anyway, I had in my Brian, you're not even saying a word. Here's the three things I'll I like. You, I'll let you guys talk, and then I'll tell you how it actually works. That's that's actually actually <laughs> honestly, you're right. Honestly, honestly, yes. yes, because you've you've fitted mine. Jeff Prawley's fitted mine. I will tell you this: the three things I need in a pack is I personally, because I do not have a big bubble rump. Okay, I need a good lumbar. Um, and I need to have it, I need to be able to let that lumbar ro ride where it should ride on me. And at my height, I also need shoulder straps that adjust up on, on the torsal side of it. Okay. And, and then the other thing I need is I need the elevated load lifters or I'm fighting it. I feel like it's pulling back. I'm bucking, I'm bucking the pack when well, you I'm have going to, you're up too dang tall otherwise. Yeah. And so, so those are the three things that cool. make it tougher for me to find a pack. But when I get a good one, I, I live with it. Yeah. Well, there's, um, with a pack, there's a few things that always happen with every pack. The first thing is, yeah. And the first thing with a pack is um, obviously fit. A pack is like a boot. It's like a sa saddle is to a cowboy's horse. If he doesn't have a good saddle and he tries to rope, it's going to tear the horn off. Um, if you don't have a good saddle and you ride all day, you're going to get ass blisters. And a pack is the same way. You don't want to take a pack that you've never tried um, on a serious hunt. So if you want to take a demo pack along or try it, take your main pack. You want to take your rain, rain gear as an experimental, take them along as a backup. You want to take a new pair of boots, take them along as a backpack. Do not take a pair of boots or a backpack that you've never used before on a hunt unless you have an, an, an innate knowledge of the pack and experience doing it because it can, it can fail on you. So the first thing with a pack is the fit. <clears throat> if it doesn't fit you well, there's so some of the older packs you have to you used to have to buy frame sheet sizes that were different. A lot of the new packs are adjustable, but like Brian, he's much taller torso than most people. He's not only tall, but he also has a long body. 
his probably upper body is at least three or four inches longer than mine. So I would be like a medium, but like if he was going to get like the old Dana design, for example, he'd be the larger, extra large torso. They used him selling them in like four sizes. So it's really hard for a guy like him to have some of these packs fit perfectly. But you can, there's actually tricks. Mostly with him, I almost always go to the top size. So for example, a Kafaro pack with their frame is going to fit him quite good. The Mystery Ranch nice frame, and we used to have one, a bag called the Gigander that would fit him pretty well, but he would have to have the large shoulder straps. So first thing is if you're a big guy like Brian or a really small person or a small woman, you got to look at the pack company and see if they have small sizes and really big sizes. Most of the packs are set up for people about 5'6 to about 6'2 or 6'3. Bigger or smaller than that is difficult. And you got to get different hip, hip belt sizes. Any, there is no such thing as a universal hip belt because you want the wrap with the padding to come around and cover the front of your pelvic bone. If it doesn't cover the front of your pelvic bone, it'll pinch you when you tighten it. And you don't want it so tight that when you cinch the buckles up, you can't, you run out of buckle room <clears throat> to adjust because the, the padding is too close in the front. So if the padding is all the way like, like above, right below your belly button, your bladder area, it's probably too long a padding. If it's not wrapping around your pelvic bone all the way in the front where those points are, that's too short. So that's one of the things you have to look at. And then when you adjust the pack, I always have it when the hip belt is at least a half an inch to an inch over the top of my pelvic bone. If it's below it, then you're going to have it riding on your ass. If it's all the way on top of it, you're going to smash your jelly donut fat rolls and muffin tops right on top of your pelvic bone. You're going to have a lot of pain. So you want it where, say, two-thirds of the belt is actually on your bone. <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> really? I, yes. Love, I love how you're so literal and, and detailed on but it, that But fat. it's true. This is super important. No, it is. And then when you, so you adjust the pack from your hip belt. First thing is the hip belt. The hip belt has to be adjusted, right? And then when you put your head back, like we were showing, Brian was adjusting one of the new packs he got in the office here. And when you put your head back, your, your neck, it makes a U back there, usually where the frame sheet is. And that, when you put your head all the way to the back, it has to clear. And if it's touching, you have to slide the frame sheet down. So once that, that's adjusted, you look at where the armpit padding is. If it's below, if it's actually right below your armpits, that's good. If it's up above and the straps are digging into your sides and below your armpits, that's not good either. And then the shoulder strap, pretend like if you're a woman, you don't want them down too low because it restricts your chest and your breathing, and you don't want them up where that's on your neck. So basically, you want them above. If you had a set of breasts, that's where you want your pack strap. Too low doesn't work, and too high doesn't work. So um, again, and, and one, th one thing about the pack strap, if you're crossing a river or a stream, and you think you might go tits up literally in the river, always undo your chest strap, but do not undo your waist strap. Just loosen it. Because if you step wrong and your pack flips over without a waist drop on, you will guarantee do a head plant and use your pack. But if you do fall down the river and you got to get your pack out, usually it'll float with you. You can undo the, you can undo the hip buckle and, and crawl out of it. But if you have the chest strap on and you undo your hip buckle and try and get out, it will choke your ass and you will not get out of it. So always when you're sitting down with a big load on the side of a mountain and you got to get out quick, always undo your chest strap because a big load, you'll slide down like it's on snow and then the, the uh, chest strap will be choking you. That's off the, the fitting part a little bit, but that's super, super key um, when you're doing the, the packing. And um, another thing, when you're loading your pack, I always say heavy high and light low, which means you put your lighter weight products at the bottom of the pack and the stuff you don't need to get to, sleeping bags, mountain house, sleeping pad, 
you know, your cook said, if you're not going to stop and have tea for the day, and then the higher you go, you don't want all the heaviest stuff at the very top, but you want it between your shoulder blades and as close to the frame shoes you can. The further the, the stuff is away from your back, the more you're likely to tip over backwards. And so when you see these new packs that come out and they have these gun sheaths that are on the back and they're on the very back and the gun barrel is below your pack and you, and you walk down a steep hill and you do a header, that gun barrel is going to be cracking you right in the tailbone. So that's a big no-no for mountain hunting. That's for guys that are flatlanders hiking around and think they're going to jerk it out of their pack and shoot something quick. To me, as soon as I see that, that is not a mountain pack. You do not strap your gun upside down on the back of your pack. If you do, you are 100% wrong for mountain hunting. There is no debating. That's right or wrong. It's 100% wrong. You never pack the gun barrel yeah, down. Yeah, gummit. Listen, uh, folks. You never pack the barrel gun, and you always want the, the buttstock level or slightly higher in the back of your pack because you will take a header at some point. You will fall. And when you do that, it kicks the gun up, and it's hard on the stock and kicks you over. I think so, that just came off a of patent, too, so we'll see who else Yeah, well, good luck. I, that's a flatlander pack for hunting and easy stuff where you're not going to take headers or be on your ass because you're in the mountains. I've never seen anybody who doesn't fall. And when you fall with a gun barrel back there, it's hard on the gun. It's hard on your ass. And it doesn't pack well because the weight's What did you have for back. breakfast? I didn't have enough. He's just feeling better. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But it's very. I like it. It's very true. And then you can put the ones between your frame sheet and the thing, and that doesn't work either. Honestly, there's, two, there's really two, three ways to pack your gun that I found. If you want to get to it quick and strap it to your pack, the fastest way is the Kafaro gun carrier. It's the only way you can get off really fast. I haven't used all the other ones, but there's a few that might work. If you don't need to get to it quick and you want to pack it properly so it doesn't fall off, you put it on, you strap it to your pack. You need at least three buckles. Two will work if it's a light gun, but three doesn't hold it. And you strap it to the side of your pack. Usually I strap it scope back. That's why if you, if you have a pack that's not packed with enough stuff on it and you fall backwards, it can't hit the scope. So if you're worried about that and you don't have much in it, you can pack it scope forward. It might hit your back. But that's in non-bear country. If you're in bear country and you might have to run and gun or you know, run into a sow and cubs, then the guy in the front should either pack it in his hand or pack it in the Kafaro gun bearer. But really, I always pack my gun butt down, level with the bottom of my pack, one strap wrapped around the pistol grip, one around the scope and action, and one right above the scope and action. Then my gun doesn't come off. And then on the other side of my pack, I put my spotting scope tripod and spotting scope, and it balances the weight. The gun, everything is really close to your back, and so you're not leaning forward as much. And you don't have all that, you don't have your spotting scope and stuff inside your pack, which is hard to get to. And most of the companies that make spotting scope covers, I mean, uh, holders will work, but they're also sometimes hard to get to. So anyway, there's some of my things and I always go with a bigger pack than you think you need because trying to put 5,000 cubic inch in a 4,000 inch pack, not a good idea. I'd rather have the pack shrunk down and fitting my back well than have it loaded up to the nuts and been in, in having to spend five or 10 minutes to put stuff back inside. Yeah, and you like to carry more weight than I like to carry too. <clears throat> you can carry whatever you want, but always get a pack bigger than what you need. Don't get a pack that's minimalist and then have to strap a bunch of crap on it. You look like a homeless guy walking down San Francisco. <laughs> and and so there ends today's gospel reading on packing from Brian Martin. I like it. No, seriously. Uh, usually you say you look like a hobo. <laughs> it, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm getting caught up into the Brian Martinisms. But but in all sincerity, that right there might have been one of the best explanation, concentrated detail 
Like, how far can you swim underwater and hold your breath? I don't know. Because you can talk a long time without taking a breath. Well, here's... here's, here's Probably a, about 35 or 45 seconds. I don't train very much. Here, here's, here's the question I have for you. So, never thought about the chest... I, I open it up just to simply get it off of my yeah. chest. I carry, I, so I carry, I'm, I'm not petite like Brad. And, and so I carry a broad chest. Okay. Yeah. And even, even if I was 6% body fat, I'm not going to get rid of uh-huh. my shoulder size. You know what I'm saying? So when I sit down, I always pop that off. That's the first ne- thing. Yes. Yes. Never thought about the header. Simply did it out of instinct because I was just didn't want it confining me. The header makes sense. Never thought of crossing the river, having it off. I mean, these you have are to really... try these things a few times, then realize why you do it that way. <laughs> no, and it's then, really yeah. good. You've been there, done it, earned the more t-shirt. than you can imagine. I floated down the river with a full freaking pack on, <laughs> full pack, and it was not a good experience. But I learned how to do it, and I had nobody there to help my ass out of the water. <laughs> if if only. Uh, it got, if we could only have seen God's eyes smiling at you while you were flailing in the water. Wasn't really failing because you, if you try and swim with a pack on, you're heavier than no, the not pack. failing, flailing. I wasn't I, even flailing because I'm you glad flail, he didn't die, roll. but that was fun to watch. Oh, right? so you, you just you, you, same as you flip out of a boat or raft. If you flip out of a boat or raft, you always go down feet first, so you don't yes. smack your head on a rock. Yes, ass down and, and knees bent and legs out and wide. and a pack with you. Yes, and the pack will float. Like I said, the pack is lighter than you, and it has more mass in your body. It floats very easily. And, My and gun and everything strapped to the pack. I knew, I figured I was going to go down. I just didn't know where. And when you go down in about eight to nine mile an hour of water, it's scarier than hell. But if you keep your feet wide and don't try and swim, you basically just push and you wait for a little corner in the creek and it'll throw you to the side. Do not do it if there's deadfall. Or big rapids below. Because you get sucked under it. You could. You I die. made sure I made had the, at least 150 yards of good water that where I could wasn't going to get smashed. And then pick your and point. And I figured, I thought I could cross it, but when it got over my nuts and it hit the top of my hip belt, gone. <laughs> feet off the ground, downstream, instantly. <laughs> Went about 60 yards downstream. And you just you, you actually just push your hands like side-stroking, but not side-stroking. you got to be on your back. As soon as you go about 20 degrees to the right or left, you'll do a head. It, this it, is a pack, Jer- Jeremiah the, Johnson the pack deal. puts your face under the water. And you cannot, I mean, it's 100% under the water. So you have to keep the pack. You use your arms and your legs wide. Scared to keep you. It. After I did it, it was kind of cool. But for about 10 seconds, you're butt puckered. <laughs> but then you realize it's actually not that bad. No, 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 no. No, that's not true. Then you realize, holy but crap, had, I got a second chance I, at this. Had I, I, had, I, 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 hit my, no. had I hit my hip belt loose, <laughs> I would have lost my pack. But I had my neck strap just in case. I mean, I thought about this for a long time before I did. I spent probably an hour trying to find the best place up and down the river to cross. And I said, screw it. This is good enough. I got to get across. No way to not cross. So, yeah. So is I, this in British Columbia? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the longest I've ever hiked in my life with a full pack on. 32 miles on a GPS. Not steppy steppies where you're like every step is like a yard. No, this was like 32 miles. And it took me 16 hours, and I was in the best shape I could be in. And it was on hell. Muddy creeks and beaver crossings. (laughs) Only about five hours was on on a horse trail. (laughs) I got in, and I thought I was pretty good the next day. And the next day, I was like, got up and was puking, and I couldn't function for about another day. But I'd been, I'd been, keep in mind, I'd been trail cutting and backpacking for a month, hadn't had any fresh meat for a month. 
only get some tuna and stuff. And um, <laughs> you were running down. Yeah, I was super, super skinny and super fast, but that was too much in one day. So it was almost like those professional athletes that do the hundred mile. It was worse. And, yeah, that's. It amazing. was like you know how you have like kidney failure. My friend did a two hundred and forty miler. And it was like the kidneys were not working right. So I'm thinking we should move on. Not that oh, I yeah. want to. No, no. But, but I'd like to move the binoculars, binoculars, spotting scopes, tripods. Um, wait, before we go to that. Oh, we, we, we haven't talked about rain flies. There's a super good opinion about rain flies and a super important thing about carrying meat. Okay. And then, okay, go ahead. I'd like to hear that. First thing, all these packs where you have the pack come across, apart from the frame and you put the meat between the frame and the pack, well, guess what happens? The pack is like two feet behind, and now you got to lean over like a hunchback to do it. If your pack, if you got 7,000 keeping inches in your pack, and now you put like three or four sheep quarters in, and you got 140 pounds on, no. I mean, yeah, you can get more in, but the pack, I, I, I failed a couple packs that way, and it's hard to keep the blood from getting on your ass and from the pack. So I still am a huge fan. Sleeping bag, pots, everything in the bottom, life-size skin next, if you have to do it yourself. Then the meat, next. I mean, not the, and then I put other stuff in that I won't need to get to. Anything I have to get for the day, I strap to the outside of my pack or the top pack. So you look like a little bit of a hobo. You have to. There's you no to. way even for an 8,000 cubic inch pack to do it. Physically not possible. You have a, a life-size sheep What's the heaviest the pack you've ever had? Too much. Wade was about, Wade for a day and a half was 165. What do you, uh, what do you use I've for a rain fly that. on that? Uh, you do not. You punt. There is no rainfall. You can't get a rainfly on when you got sheep horns and everything. Once you strap the horns to the pack and you're, you're going out, rain's rain. So that's why you have some of your most valuable gear that you have to have in a waterproof bag, and you have it inside your pack. And your anything really valuable electronic that's not waterproof, you put it in the Ziploc or waterproof bag on the top of your pack. So basically, though, what I do, I always have a little. If it's really cold and snowy, usually I usually have some kind of a foam butt seat that you sit on. And so when I put Usually I put the cape down and don't put on anything sharp in your pack, otherwise they'll rub a hole in it. So I put it in a game bag. The last game bag is what I usually like. Put it inside a, at least a really strong garbage bag, like a lawn and leaf bag. Don't put in the white garbage sacks that you use for your kitchen because they have, they have like a germicide on them. They make them smell funny. And so lawn and leaf is a bunch better. Recycle the blue recycle bags. They're much, much stronger than a, than a lightweight garbage bag. Put it in there and then... And then if I have more, depending on what I need to get to, I try and balance and stuff stuff around it, and that's really tight, that cape. And then the meat will go in inside of a, also a game bag, and that goes inside another garbage bag. And if it's bloody at all, most, most meat is. But usually I can get away with one strong bag. And if, it's been re, if you're reusing it, which I don't recommend, um, you, can use, you have to use two. And then so if there's anything sharp there, I put my phone pad on top of it. So if it leaks, it'll get in your phone pad, not in your crap. Otherwise, it'll leak down through everything in your sleeping bag, cover in your thermorest, and your mountain house will have blood on everything. So this is something you learned. Um, make sure it's not rubbing against anything sharp. And then I put the other stuff that I might need uh, around it. And then I put the head on top. And then I put the top pack on top of the head, and that sucks it down. And then you can't pack your gun anymore in your pack because you got the horns, unless it's like a goat or something or an ibex. So you can't strap your gun. So now you got a pack in your hand, or this is where I use the rifle gun bearer. Now, most humans are, you know, that are be listening to this probably aren't going to pack that much, so they have a buddy. So their buddy can pack their gun or something like this. Or your buddy, you know, usually if you're on a guided trip, not everybody has a gun. So the guy without the gun can strap the horns on. But this is really critical for keeping the weight balanced properly. Um, and the rain fly, though, 
So there's a lot of theory on rain, <laughs> rain flies. Somebody said, oh, I don't need a rain fly. I said, you have 100 British Columbia, Alaska. Because the weight of the rain fly is insignificant to the weight of a frozen, stiff pack saturated with water and snow. That is way heavier. Great point. And you can't undo your zippers. And everything's a mess. The other thing your rain fly is good for, when you come and you put your pack down, you take your rain fly and you set it down and you lay your, your clothes on your rain fly, keep them off the ground, and then you set up your tent because I keep my tent inside my pack. And then so when I pick up my tent also, I use my rain fly for put my clothes in it because I got to put my tent inside my backpack before I put everything in it. So it acts like that. And if you're having to melt a lot of snow, you use your rain fly, you run around the camp and find all the clean snow with your cup. And you put a couple of gallons of snow on your rain fly. That way you don't have to go in and out during a snowstorm to melt water. So there's a lot of things your rain fly is necessary for. And it's much lighter than, I mean, any other thing to do. Any other thing you can use. And you can even use it for wrapping up your boots and putting your bottom of your sleeping bag. There's a lot of things. And if you forget garbage bags, you can use your rain fly for keeping the meat from out of your clothes. I can tell you 50 reasons why you need a rain fly and like one reason not to have a rain fly. And you want one that stays on. But if you're bushwhacking, really, really bad bushwhacking, and it's not that wet, take your rain fly off because you can lose it if you're by yourself. I've lost them before. So you can either tie the cord around something, but just make sure it doesn't come off. And when you strap stuff to the outside of your pack, always strap it with one of the side buckles through a cord or something. Because otherwise, I have seen many guys lose crap, tie their packs, sleeping pads, rain gear, always wrap it and pull it through itself. I mean, I could sometime I'll show it in a video, but... You know, like, let's say a, a tent has the drawstring. I actually run the tent upside down, pull the, strap, pull the cord up, and run it through the top. So I use two straps on the tent if I got too much stuff in my pack. And then that tent can never fall down because that strap is... And if it falls off, it's hanging. So never have anything not wrapped or hanging from something on your right. pack. <clears throat> and buckles, always have a Mr. Hip buckle. Always. And if you have these new funky packs that have those, that will you tighten it from the side instead of the middle, loosen your hip belt before you sit down because it's really hard to tighten them back up and loosen them once it's off your body. So it will just pop each side loose and then it's really easy to, to put back on and when you take off walking. And when you're adjusting your pack, the tension straps between the back, your base is level with the back of your ears. Those are the last thing you tighten. Too many guys put their pack on, and they get those things tight, and their shoulder straps too loose, and it looks really bad, and it doesn't fit right. That is only for pulling the load to your back, not for lifting the load. It's, not, it's called a load lifter, but it's not a load lifter. The load lifter is your hip belt buckle, and your shoulder straps getting the pack and the weight in the right, proper place. That's just keeping the pack from swaying back and forth. If you think that's a load lifter, it's actually not. It's actually pushing everything down and it's making a disaster. There you go. I think that's most of it. 165 uh, pounds. That's why they invented horses. What's the most amount of days you were in the field in any one year in an, and did total backpack hunts? I don't know. I usually did five to six a year, um, maybe seven. And usually they're between five and ten days. So the longest I've done is maybe 12 without getting resupplied. That's and, a lot. Right. So you, you've done 80 days in a year in the bush on, on your back. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Wilderness, up and down, over yeah, mountain 60 to ranges. 80. I've done more than that one year. But the most we did is when we went to British Columbia, we'd do two or three back-to-back -back stone sheep hunts and do one or two grizzly hunts and a goat hunt. And then I'd usually go to Asia and spike out with those crazy nomads. And we didn't backpack hunt, but we were, you know, sleeping out in the snow with the, with the Hilleberg tents and stuff with the horses. And then sometimes I would do a spring bear hunt where you do a backpack. Like, I've done a lot of hunts in the peninsula, 
and they were all backpack hunts, hard ones. So uh, only one did we not backpack every day. We just hiked a little bit every day. The other ones were full on backpacking. Is that the pre your preference? I don't like sitting hunt? still for very long. And um, so when I, if so for me, bear hunting on so the peninsula. So tail sitting in a whitetail tree stand might drive you well, crazy. Thank God for smartphones and, and, and books. <laughs> but um, because, yeah, but if you're bear, my philosophy on bear hunting is, yeah, you don't want to set up the place. But if I get really high, I can spot a lot further and I can see bears in the bush during the day. Where if you sit down low, you have to wait for them to come out right at dark, and so it's a foot race. To so get you have to a them. backpacker's mentality. What uh, I can kill not... more per day in the field backpacking than any other way if you're fit. Now my second choice is horseback hunting, but being able to go backpacking when the horses are inconvenient or can't get to the right places. So 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 quick question for you, and not to put a plug in for a company, but I'm asking you un, un, unsolicited to this moment, what was the favorite pack you've ever owned? Uh, there's two for extreme stuff. Three. One was a Dana Astroplane Overkill, um, which was 7,000 cubic inches. Um, there was a, a Mystery Ranch, nice, giganter, but it's 13 and a half pounds, so, which is... But when you look at, okay, if you have 100 pounds of weight on, your pack is 13, so it's 113 pounds, right? If you have a six-pound pack, it's 106 pounds. But if the six-pound pack fails five times more often... Then the 13-pound pack, I'll take the 13-pound pack. So the whole idea is to balance it so you have a lighter weight pack but mm, not too Good light. point. So it's not so just about getting who a... Who cares about the empty weight? I care about the finished weight. The finished weight is insignificant when you have over 100 pounds if it will fail and it won't carry the weight and hurt you. So, so it's all the pack weight is really not the most important thing. So a Dana? That's for Appalachian. And then the other one is yeah, the Kafaro. Yeah. Kafaro. The one that um, those guys make. They make two or three models that are really designed for doing it. And if you're more simple and you do not know how to pack and will not learn how to pack, the old Barneys, you call it, Barney camp bumps. trails, those still work as good as anything. And the Wilderness Wanderer from Canada, I don't know if they still make them. Those, honestly, if you're just ignorant and like to throw a lot of crap in without organizing, they are better. They are better. And like the other ones, Kelty made one, was decent, but it has small tubes on it. And, and, but if you're going to have those, you always have to have extra pins and things that can break with a heavy load. And they wear out. Makes so. sense. Well, I hope that helped. I, I honestly sit here and listen to that and have just been like, wow, great job. Well, you know, you've been there, done it. You, you uh, know, <laughs> there's guys like you out there. Not a lot of them doing podcasts. We are super proud uh, to bring all this information to you. And hopefully this helps. Again, you have any questions, go ahead. Give us a shout. We love talking hunting. Brian's in the office most every day unless he's in Asia on a mountain or somewhere else, but normally not British Columbia anymore. So anyway, before we go, I want to invite you to join our Zoom every Tuesday and Friday night. Hunt the World webcast. Go to zoom.com and put in 314-896-6854. 314-896-6854. 7 p.m. Mountain Time. Each webcast we talk about hunting, hunting the world somewhere. Uh, tonight's going to be pretty unique. I know uh, you might be listening to this later, but it's a Friday night tonight for us. So it's going to be a good one. Uh, Brian and I and, and uh, Brad are running it together. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. So I appreciate you listening in. As always, be safe. Thank you. And we'll see you next time.